episode of Power Move Makers. This series was created with a simple goal in mind, to bring to the table high-level executives, successful entrepreneurs, and just all-around inspiring human beings. Not just focusing on their success, but more important, shining a spotlight on the road they traveled to get there. Now, this week's guest, I'm so excited to uh, have her on our podcast. I have watched her grow a very, very non-traditional business, especially as pertains to women, women of color. Uh, me just watching from afar and seeing what she has done, it has really impacted my life because I'm like, if she can build a company of all things, a brewing company, I can go and dominate the market in which I'm doing. I think that she is somebody that we're going to learn a lot from. And, um, you know, she's she very, very determined to make waves in an industry that normally does not accept women and does not accept people of color. Please welcome to this week's Power Move Maker broadcast, CEO, founder of Rhythm Brewing Company, Miss Elisa Mercado. Elisa, what's up, girl? Hey, Sean. Cheers on um, cheers today. <laughs> How's it going? I'm, I'm you know what? I'm really excited to be here. Love what you're doing on your side and on your end. Now, you know, Elisa, you and I met several years ago now, and I, I'm inspired by anybody who jumps out the window. Yeah. And it's one thing to jump out the window and believe in your dream. Mm -hmm. But you have stayed committed to your dream. You stay committed to this uphill battle that we call yeah. entrepreneurship. Like, the, the, no doubt. Everybody, you know, everybody has a dream. Everybody says, I can do it. But it's very few who do it. And just your level of commitment, it, it really is inspiring. And I had to get you on our show. Thank you. I appreciate it, Sean. I always say, you know what? I'm going to jump in this pool and I pray that there's water in it. <laughs> and, I would, and I'm going to tell you, the entrepreneur in me, there's always been water and there's been an abundance of water. So that's why I'm always jumping in pools because I know that there's going to be some water in there. So yes, when you take that leap, you just, you really have to, you know, go for it. But especially if you know that your journey is gonna inspire and empower someone else. Um, and that's why you have to stay committed. Okay, so let me ask you that. You know, it's one thing to go after your dream for you, but and this is specific to you, this question. Do you really think about, because I don't know that I do, maybe, uh -huh. maybe I do, maybe I don't, but do you really have a conscious frame of mind or thought pattern to say, what I'm doing is going to inspire somebody else. So I got to keep going. Yeah, I will tell you unequivocally, yes. Because see, this is not a me journey. Mm -hmm. This is an us journey. Because if, if I win, we all win. 
if I can open, no, not even open. Okay. That's an understatement. If I can knock down a door in the brewing industry as a female, as a black female, then no, I'm speaking to not, not just to me, I'm speaking for, for others. So yes, the answer to your question is yes, because it's a conscious decision to make sure that we are all eating and whatever, and eating and drinking and whatever industry that we embark on. So yeah, you have to, it can't be a selfish thing. It's those journeys have to be with the thought process of, I am going to build and move forward for a, a significant impact of others. So that's always, that's always my entrepreneurial brain process. It's, it's always thinking that way. You know, I guess, I guess when you put it that way, you're absolutely right. Because even myself as a public speaker, right. uh, that is exactly uh, how I think. Working my way from the ground up, really, mm -hmm. you know, carving out my space in this industry, because it's very competitive as a, as a public speaker. Yes. I, I love to share with my audience, my ups, my downs, my highs, my lows, but at the end All of the day, you will watch me from the beginning until one day I am a marquee name. I am a brand in this industry. So you're absolutely right. And I do, yes. you know, it's very intentional um, that if I can open up a door in this industry, right? somebody doesn't necessarily have to come behind me in this particular, but they can say, you know, Sean did it. I can do it. It's simple as it, that. Exactly. And Sean, I will tell you, see, I, I'm on this journey and I'm and and I'm learning that the being in a in a male-dominated field such as brewing, and then let's go a step further because there's that gender part, but then there's that ethnicity part, white male-dominated industry. There is things that I have to endure. Um, you know, when I go into as as the owner of the company going into a liquor store, a package store, or a restaurant. And then I have to explain, no, I'm not who I'm, no, I own the company. I'm the brewmaster. <laughs> I'm, I'm the black chick that's in right here. And we, yes, I, this is mine. These are mine. And so I want to, I want to make sure that those stereotypes, I start, we got to, I got to start chopping those down. And when you figure out that you're in an untapped demographic in any industry, then it's called accountability. So if I can be that accountability provider and enforcer, okay? Because if you're an accountability enforcer, that means that the people, the, the, the women and the, the women of color and black folks, just people of color in general, when they go into these situations, I would hope that I can make that impact. Because okay. a lot of people don't know that, yes, so. <laughs> No, no, no. You know, because because you're going down a road, and I and I want to dig as deep into that as humanly possible. Because you're right. I started off at the at the top of this conversation saying you are you you you're kind of in uncharted waters. I mean, I don't know of any female owners of brewing companies, and you can educate me and our audience. But I want to go backwards because, like I say in my opening, uh, for me. Number one, I use this platform to educate. I use it to inspire. I use it to, to motivate. But I don't want to just shine a light on success. I want to shine a light on the journey because that is the part that most people miss. So yes. before we get, you didn't wake up 
uh, one day. You didn't come out the womb and say, hey, I'm going to own a brewing company. Take me back. Uh, What were you doing prior? What did your prior life look like? And and talk to me in terms of, you know, education. Did you go to, to, to high? Did you have any higher learning? Did you go to school? What did that look like? And then what were you doing before you decided to, to start this brewing company? No, absolutely. So let me take you back. So born and raised in Connecticut, college, uh, Boston, went to Northeastern, came home and joined the family business. I was on a co-op at Northeastern, came home. Parents, I come from parents who are entrepreneurs. Mom and dad have hustled and and built a brand in their own way, a company for over 50 years. So I saw it as a kid growing up. So but when I came home from college, I, I dove into the family business like other people do. They pass down these companies generation to generation to generation. Did I ever think I was going to go into construction? Not really. I just respected my parents for doing that. But they said, you know, there's an opportunity for us to make as a family business to make a difference in our community. Because our thing was, Sean, you're coming to build in our communities, but you're not hiring us to build the projects and the developments and that we're living in. So Correct. I thought it was it was a conscious decision to embark and help and go into the family business. So that's what I did for 13 years. Because again, that is, you know, you don't see a lot of us in that industry. Okay. So you worked in construction in the family business. Yes. Okay. Yes. General contractor. So I was in charge of multi-million dollar construction projects. Because I'm going to tell you, when I got into the industry, I made a lot of noise. Yeah, because when you get in, one of my favorite quotes is that when you walk into a room and you're the only one that looks like you in the room, then you're no, you know that you are in the right room because that's when change is gonna happen. To all my movers, if you love educational and inspirational content just like this, please like, comment, and subscribe to this channel. But most important, if you know anybody making power moves just like you, share it. Now back to the video. Love that, love it. Okay. And I, I, and I say it over and it's one of, it's my, it's, it's my quote because I've been living this through my entrepreneurial journeys. But going back to that, walking in these rooms and there was none of us, I, I made sure that I spent the time in the family business to take it to another level. Uh, but so with that said, taking that experience was in- incredible. But I, for 13 years, I was in that and Moving forward, I went to Puerto Rico and ended up going to like the El San Juan Hotel. And I saw all these people dancing. I'm like, what are they doing? And they were dancing salsa. And Sean, when I tell you, I thought I was in a movie. It was, it was so dope. It, the, I mean, the cigar bar was to my right. The, the salsa band was to my left. There were people, it was just so elegant. The energy, it was reeking of energy, class and elegance. So anyway, long story short, I come home, tell the parents, I said, listen, love you, but I got to spread my wings. I'm going to open up a dance. I'm going to open up a salsa studio. Okay. Passion, paycheck, passion. I chose passion. 
And I will took two salsa lessons here in Connecticut and Sean immediately was addicted and took that experience and opened up Elisa's House of Salsa in 2000. And so we, from construction to spreading my wings to go and do a passion, something that I loved, 20, we just celebrated 20 years last year at the salsa location. So the okay, pivot stop was there real. Yes. Stop there for one second. I'm sorry to interject. No, no. Mm -mm. Okay, this is <laughs> it's such a dope story. <laughs> Number one, and I love this, your parents are entrepreneurs. Yes. Uh, a lot Still working. Still working. working. Beautiful, beautiful. Yep, still working. So you were encouraged because as entrepreneurs, uh, you're encouraged to take risks. You're encouraged mm -hmm. to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that your parents instilled in you this be open-minded. You can do it. You don't necessarily have to, although you went to school, you don't necessarily right. have to put your resume out there and wait for somebody to call you and give you a job. Right. You can do this yourself. So I think that that is very dope because I interview a lot of entrepreneurs who, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, the biggest struggle was getting over the hurdles of people believing in them. You know, as simple as that. Like they, they knew they wanted to be entrepreneurs, but they come from a very rigid background, a very traditional background. And it, it is right. not, uh, encouraged or celebrated within the household. So I'm glad that your parents did that for you. But the part of your story that I really love, you know, okay, and we're going to get into the brewing side, but you are a ballsy woman. Like, yeah, you, who, <laughs> who goes to Puerto Rico, falls in love with salsa, comes yeah. home and says, Mom, Dad, I love working with you, but I'm going to take some lessons and open up a salsa studio. Yeah, that's and that is amazing. Thank you. That's exactly what I did. And I will tell you, I'm going to piggyback off of something you just said. You know why I have the freedom to do that? And you're right. It's because my parents and my 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 family system and my friends they tell you anything you put your mind to, you can and it sounds so cliché, Sean, but Again, that's why I was comfortable enough coming home and telling my parents, love you, but I am going to do something that I can, that's a passion. I, I feel it. You have to have that support system. If you have that support system, that turns into mindset progression. Yes, you have does. to have. And that, again, that's one of the challenges of entrepreneurs. They don't have that solid rock to say, you know what? That's, that's right. Give up all those projects that are making you millions of dollars and those trips and those fancy cars and the jewelry that you that you're in the new cars every you know other month. If but if you have that support system that says, you know what, you're go into it and we've got your back. People need that. Entrepreneurs need to know that. And it's a simple go on, you have our blessings. So very ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you said that because that is so true. You know, it's something that I dealt with even in my own household. Uh, I come mm -hmm. from, you know, I would live with my grandfather 
my grandfather was very, very traditional in, in old school in his way of thinking. Yes. So to be able to break free of what he in his mind had planned for me, um, yes. you know, not getting that support, that was a very different, just for me to get over that hump, like, look, I know what you consider success, what, what, what that looks like for you. It's very right. traditional, but that's right. not my journey. This right. is not my life. And I think that I would have made this move so much sooner into the world of entrepreneurship. Right. And I just had the blessings from the people I looked up to. And right. I we know don't they love me. I, I'm crystal clear that my, yeah. my parents and, 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 and my grandfather loved me, but what they saw as you know, these are the steps to take towards success was just not what I had in mind. And that was a right. major hurdle to overcome. Yeah. You know, we're, we're old school traditionalists. We don't want to disappoint. You don't disappoint in, 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 you know, our families. It's Correct. like, you don't, wanna, because you, you know, they have a different mindset and, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, this, the season, but then, you know, there's, it's, it's too modern. I know what you're talking about. We don't want to disappoint, but then there's a time where we have to break that and move with the flow. So yeah, you have to have that, that security. You have to have that new mindset and to show folks back in the day, you know, we can, we can do this. We can use what you've instilled in us, but we can add a little, you know, extra little spice to it and do it, do it differently. And it's okay. Change is okay. Yeah, before I transition, I, I, I just want to say to any parents, any parents yeah. who are watching right now, please listen to this segment. Please rewind this segment. Yes. Uh, please, no matter what your thoughts are, no matter what right. it is that you have been taught, if you have a child mm. that really strongly believes in something that might be so far-fetched or it might yeah. be so non-traditional. Come on. Support them anyway. You have to. Get behind them and tell them you can do this. Don't discourage them. Don't because of your own limitations in terms right. of vision and self-belief, instill those ideas on them. So please allow this, this just this segment right here. Yeah to be something that allows you to open up a part of your mind to be more open-minded and more supportive of your kids in the event that they are pursuing something that to you might seem like a waste of time or why are you doing this? You, you, you're so great in math, you should be doing that or you're so great in this, you, you should become a lawyer. It's their life. Just get behind them and you'd be so, if you, if you just, allow them to plant the seeds and you help water it. You'd be so That's surprised right. what grows from it. You will be, they will be astonished at what grows from it. Because I always say my parents from, I always say this quote from tap shoes to tutus to salsa shoes to now brew boots. That's how, that's how my parents, and, and look at the shoes that I've, the, the tap shoes to the salsa shoes to the brew boots. Let your children literally have, because whatever's in their brain or in their spirit is not in the parents' you know, spirit. So like you said, parents, please, if you see one indication that your child has a liking or a passion for something, please pursue that. Yep, get behind them. Please get behind, get behind them. them. 
100%. Get behind oh. them 100%. Okay, so I, because I got to get into brewing. Yeah. How the, how the heck does somebody who, you know, has a degree, works in construction, owns a, da a dancing salsa studio for 20 plus years. Yeah. Where did, uh, uh, are you just an average beer drinker? Like, where, where did that <laughs> even come from? Like, how, how, how does that work? Like, like how do you transition <laughs> to something that, it, again, it's so far-fetched to me. And yes. here you were ballsy enough to tackle it and say, I'm gonna start a brewing company. Absolutely. So first we have to go back to the 1970s, okay? Both of my grandmothers were beer drinkers and they would drink the ponies. I don't know if you remember the ponies of Miller Highlight, the champagne of beer. There are these little glass bottles and my grandmothers would indulge on occasion in their little ponies of Miller. So growing up as a, as a child, there was beer that I saw my grand women drinking. And of course, when you, we became of age, they would let me sip on the, you know, the ponies of Miller. And I just, my palate just got a liking to the taste of beer, which was unusual because a lot of, you know, you get older and you're going, I'm going out with my girls and drinking sex on the beaches. You know, they got a glass of wine. I'm like, yeah, I'll take a cold one. Yes, you can cross <laughs> my glass. I'm Yeah, I'll take the beer. So give me a brew. So I was always the female in the group who just loved beer and but it, it was because of my grandmothers seeing them um but Sean I would tell you back in the 70s I my grandmothers would play music in the house they would have Marvin Gaye playing at a gym I mean and it was just literally on the weekends it was you know like it was like a party so it was always music connected and I connected it with the beer and so life just kind of my grandmother Nana God rest her soul. And I'm paying homage to my two my two grandmothers. She always said, Elisa, find your rhythm in life, whatever it is. So that's coming from my 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 grandmas. But let's so so moving forward, yes, Sean, I love my brew, but I was in Cape Cod one weekend. I'm gonna tell you exactly where I had my aha moment. I was in Cape Cod at a beer festival, and I noticed a couple of things there were not a lot of women. There were not a lot of people of co color. As a matter of fact, I think myself and the cigar guy from New Jersey were the only, uh, and his wife were the only three black folks in this beer festival. With that said, I was going around to all the booths. Nothing reminded me of my grandmother's. Not one beer in there just reminded me of a classic lager, this champagne of, you know, beers. And so I'm standing there going, okay, there's not a lot of women. And if they were there, they were being dragged around by their boyfriends or husbands. And they were just like, ah, oh, we're here. We really don't like the beer, but we're coming to support them. And then I noticed, you know, no people of really of color at this beer festival. And Sean, on the way home, my uh, boyfriend at the time, now husband said to me, he said, why are you so quiet? And I said, I'm going to make my own beer. And he, <laughs> I love it. I love and it. He looked at me and he said, now in the midst of, you know, the, the salsa and, 
you know, that's booming. He said, and I, he, he said, and I know you are. And Sean, I will tell you, I came home that next day was a weekend. I came home on a Monday and I researched the beer industry. And as soon as I heard that it was the beer industry was $114 billion industry and that people of color and women were getting less than 0.00005% of that industry. And I probably left out of zero. Sean, it did, wasn't about, yeah, I was going to make a really good beer, but it was, it, it was bigger than that at that point. Because I knew that an industry that's making that much and we're not a piece of that. And we can, my thing is, if I consume it, I'm going to own it. There you go. I'm not consuming anything else. I mean, I consume stuff, but we should be owning things that we consume. So I researched the beer industry for, not for three months, not for six months, for three and a half years before I made a drop of beer that went into my cans because I needed to know everything about the business. I'm getting into a white male dominated field as a black female. And I was not gonna let any stone be unturned. I was gonna know everything about the beverage industry as a whole. And that's where the connection lied. Coming from that, that Cape Cod, beer festival, seeing what I saw and diving in to that. And I felt my grandmother's energy just channel through me as I did the research. And they said, keep going. You have a voice now, Elisa, that we didn't have back in the 70s. You have a voice. You can make a difference. And Sean, that's where, that's where this whole, this is where the journey began. Okay. What year, what year was it that you went to Cape Cod and made the decision, and what year was it that you actually produced your first can? So 2014, the beer festival, 2014. I didn't produce, I didn't, the, the, my first canning was in 2018 in March. Okay, so you really did spend three years, three plus years researching and doing all of the background things that most people want to jump out the window. You did everything you could do to make sure that your foundation was solid. If I'm out here, it is going to be to all my movers. If you love educational and inspirational content just like this, please like, comment and subscribe to this channel. But most important, if you know anybody making power moves just like you, share it. Now back to the video. With a strong foundation. Absolutely. I got, you know, and we have limited time and I want to get as many questions in as humanly possible for you. So I'm going to be shooting them at you, okay? There we go. I see a lot of, of local breweries popping up these days. Yes. How much room is in the market? Is is, okay. is room for for another? You know, here you are, you rhythm brewing company. Yeah. Is there room? Oh yeah. Let me. I will tell you. There there is room. Anything that encompasses 114 billion, there is room. I want a hundred more Elisas running around. 
there is room, there's economics, there's, there's, there's employment opportunities in this industry. So absolutely, is there room, there is room in the, um, in, in the beer industry for people to get in here to make viable career, you have a viable career. And again, the economics, but then the employment opportunity. So that's why I think my, that's why I want to get the story out there because it's those unheard stories about industries that is like, shh, it's always been quiet and let's keep making, you know, these industries billions of dollars, but let's be involved. Like, I need to be in a position where I can employ, you know, people in a, a, a brewery. Well, can go, you know, because I want to, I want to see how big your staff is. I want to see how big your staff was when you first started up. What is, what is, if, if Sean, if I want to tomorrow start a brewing company, what does startup capital look like and what does it entail? So I was for startup capital, we're talking anywhere from 250K to a million dollars. It really depends on how many tanks you bring in, uh, how much beer you're brewing. And that that's. Okay. Stop, stop there for one second, if you don't mind because I wanna go deep into that. Startup capital, quarter of a million to a million dollars. So am I to assume, and, and I don't know this business, I don't drink beer. So let me dig in as somebody who is on the outside, who is inquisitive and wanna know about your business. Right. Are you, are you brewing your own beer? Are you outsourcing? How does it, when you say, when you like, explain to me where does this quarter of a million to a million dollars go? Okay, so, and I'm gonna tell you um, what I what I did. I did everything that was conventional. It, I did it, I went, people were going to the left, I was going to the right. I knew that I was not building a brewery out the gate. I said, build the brand the brewery will come later. So if you're sitting out there listening, build the brand. You don't have to sink the 250K to the half mil or the mil into it. You gotta, you gotta crawl before you start sprinting. So build the, that was my philosophy. I'm gonna build a brand. The brewery will come later. Let's see, let's get it out to the market. Let's let's do some testing. Let's do some tastings. So you don't have to go all, you could jump off the window, but you don't have to go up to like the, you know, 200th floor and like, <laughs> and do a skydive. Go as a brew, brewer, which, and I'm outsourcing right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm contracting at a brewing company here in Connecticut. So they have the factory. They have the equipment. I go in with my recipes. They're all my recipes. I go in, I brew. I'm the brewmaster. So I go in, I brew for the day. I get my distro to come after it's packaged up. I get my distro to come in and then they put it out into the stores. But if you're listening, you don't have to do that deep dive. I did not do it. And we haven't done that yet. Build your brand first. Then you could think about brewery but if, of course if you have the coin and you want to dive into a, a, a brewery then that 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 quarter of a mil to a mil or it could be under can that could potentially be your startup cost but i didn't want to do that it was it, the journey i wasn't taking that road how how big was your team in the beginning how big is it now 
Sean, my, I'm going to tell you, my mom is my rock. We call her Mama Rhythm. I'm Lady Lager and my mom is Mama Rhythm. And she's from day one, uh, teen, it was myself and my mother. We were the sales reps for Rhythm Brewing Company. Now, can you imagine two women? We're lugging cases, coolers, ice. We are getting up. We're hustling every single day. And Mama Rhythm she looked at me one day and she said, I said, let's go out and get 10 accounts a day. And my mother said, no, Elisa, we're getting 20 accounts a day. And my mother has been steadfast again in this, with this business. So it was just myself and my mother out here hitting the streets, no different than a street team. Back, you know, you get, you would go hit up a club, get some club flyers out there, you know, put it. It was a hustle. It was five, six days a week getting out to liquor stores, package stores, restaurants, telling about the business. But it was my mother and I. So technically, two people that start that really started this brand. We have doubled to four now. So, but it's it was those steps that got us to where we are today. So you don't have. I will tell you, people think, oh, you've got to have a big staff. Oh, you've got to have this much capital in the bank. No, you've got to have a dream. You've got to have gut and you've got to have grit and you have to get out there and make it happen. That's what you need. That's priceless. I will tell you. Absolutely. And I'm so happy you said that. And, and I love to ask this line of questioning because people think you need these huge staffs in the beginning. Actually, you don't even want a huge staff in the beginning. Mm -mm. You want to keep your costs. Costs. Expenses as low as humanly possible because there is a learning curve. And I don't care how right. much money you have in the bank. You will right. go through so much money. If that is all you're doing is writing checks, like you're going exactly. to fail the job. That before you can catch your rhythm, no pun intended, right. you're going to make yes. mistake after mistake after mistake. After and some of those mistakes are costly. So you want to keep your uh, expenses as low as humanly possible. And I, Overhead. I love the fact that you said you started off with two people. Because yeah. that's where it starts. It starts with you and anyone who believes as much or more than you in this vision. And are willing to put the hours. So Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, I should have asked you how many, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm, again, I'm not a beer drinker. So, so I ask it in my own uh, language and hopefully. Right. How many uh, ranges of beer or skews of beer do you have? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I know about the, 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 the pale ales and. and right. The IPAs. So you hear about the IPAs. Yes. Yeah, like, did, did you so say, you know a little something, Sean? You know a little something, something. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to be educated as much as I could coming into yeah. this. But again, I asked this question because sometimes people jump out the window and they want as many uh, ranges mm -hmm. as humanly possible. And I believe starts less is more. Sean, I will tell you, less is more. I can't, my focus was, I was going to come out with my flagship, mm -hmm. which was the Rhythm Unfiltered Lager, again, which is just a normal classic beer. It, go, it, it stands up there 
with the, the, the big brands that you see in the stores now. Just a normal beer that you take to the barbecue, the cookout, it's light, it's good, it's refreshing. I just came, I came out with that one. That was the first one that hit the stores. Then it was, okay, let's make a light version of this beer. And what did we do? We came out with the Rhythm Blue, the unfiltered light version. So my, I said, let's, and anyone out here listening, make one and work on perfecting it instead of making 25 SKUs and you have behind it on all of them. So our, it was strategic where we said, launch the brand, we come out with two beer offerings. That's it. That is it. Let's do what the brands did before. You've got this regular one, then you've got this light and you've got that. And then you've got, you know, people have been, it's funny because we get, we've gotten that we're the next, we're the black Budweiser because Sean, that's exactly what we did. They came out with their classic first and then they came out with the Bud Light later. So you have two beers and that is it. I and mean, we do offshoot beers, but what's in our stores are just those two beers. Start less is more. You don't need skew. So no, if you're looking for me to make you an IPA and a pale ale and dub double Hefeweizen, we're, we're not, we're not doing that. Our, our, we're not doing that. We have two beers that are here and we want to get those out to the country first. And you could do that with two SKUs. Great. Uh, who's your customer? Who is Rhythm Brewing's ideal customer? It is a gamut. We have, we literally have tapped into a, we have white male traditional beer drinkers. We have women that drink the, that are fine in their rhythm. Black folks are, are getting into, you know, they're thinking the craft beer phrase, you know, the whole phase, yeah. but we're getting black folks. Um, we have the LGBTQ community. It's, and again, it's not just about a beverage, Sean. Uh, it's, it's, it's about a mission. We're not just a beverage company. We are, we're mission driven. So we can connect the white male drinker, the traditional drinker with the LGBTQ community and, and, and black and brown folks and women. That's who's drinking our beer because they have, they know where we're going. They know what we stand for. So it is a collective, you know, it's funny. It's great when I walk into a, you know, a restaurant and you've got five different tables that are drinking your beer and they all look completely different. That's when you know that you're completely on to something real in people. Just don't, you know, make it for one segment. Mm -hmm. Open something up so that you're strategic about it, but you're still inclusive about it. Understood. What, in your opinion, what separates you from the competition? Why does Sean go and pick up a rhythm brewing can as opposed to Budweiser that's been around for a million years? I know that name. I know the right. brand. I, you know, I trust them. Let me, you know, why, why do I, what, what separates you or is it not what's in the can that separates you, but the story behind the can, which is yourself that separates you? Sean, when you, and I love this question, when you sip on our, our rhythm, 
beer. And I will tell you what's in the can is damn sure just as good as the story. I, I will tell you because when you come out with a product, it's it's got to be good. And you all have to offer your customers the best of the best, especially in the brewing industry when, you, when you're brewing. But when they're sipping on it, think of the story. Think of, of when, when you sip and you consume, you are sipping on history. You're sipping on not only history, you're sipping on the future of your children's children and economic advancement, employment opportunities, generational wealth. So it's a conscious effort. That's, that's why people are connecting with the brand. They're connecting with the story. They're connecting with what's inside of it. Because you're right. You know, Budweiser is a household name, but Rhythm, again, having a national opportunity, getting the, the, an opportunity for that national exposure, Sean, that's what we're talking about. It's bigger. It, it goes into economics of it. So you can be sipping on it all day. Like, again, it's delicious, but think there is a story, but there is economic power behind what you're sipping on. Absolutely. Let's stick to economics for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the costs um, behind the scenes? You, you know, what's the profit margins look like on a keg or, or a can? Is this a, I know you said that this is a multi-billion, hundreds of billion dollar business. Woo, yes. But individually, as, as a startup, are the margins great? Are you making pennies on the dollar? Are you making you know, 50 cent on a dollar. What does that look like? I, I love this question because when you dive into the economics, this is this is how this, this happens. And there's a disconnect with distribution. And I'm going to tell you how this works, how it can work against uh, people of color who are in, in the beverage industry that might not have the coin to go out and, you know, do acquisitions. When you have, when you, when you are not in the position to have your, the more beer you make, the more quantity you make, the more mar your margins will go up. So let's, let's, let me tell you about that with the beer industry. The more, if I'm going from a 30 barrel system to a 60 to a 90 to a hundred barrel system, at the hundred barrel system, I'm making a lot more, I'm, I'm, I'm brewing a lot more beer. Margins will go up. Mm -hmm. The less you make in the barrels, then your margins are, are, are thin, okay? The distribution company and the contract, whoever you're contracting with, right now is making the money. Correct. Okay. So in the economic, we don't have the opportunity. Well, no, we we want the opportunity to get out there to the masses so that we can double and triple and quadruple our production. So that if it's in Connecticut. And we're, we're only sold in Connecticut right now, but if it's in New York, if it goes to Atlanta, then that's when the margins go up. But if you're getting into this to think you're going to, you know, make money immediately, this is not, this is, this is grind, grit, and hustle. And it's about producing and production. So that's how, at least that's how it is in economics in the beer industry. So, you know, the more we make, the more the margins Margin. are going to the, the markup is good. So kegs, we have logs, we have our you know taps, our, our 
beers on tap, but it's in the stores like Trader Joe's, ShopRite, Big Y, Whole Foods. So we're placed in these, these stores, but it's really getting the product out there and opening up distribution opportunities. How, how, how many batches um, are you making? And I, and I hope I'm using the correct terminology. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Joe, no, you're doing, listen, you're doing a good job. And, and you know what? I'm, I have to invite you on my next brew day. You got to come out and jump on a brew day with me. It is fascinating. Yeah, it yeah. is absolutely I, fascinating. I get the invite. I'm there. Um, yes. How, how many batches are you making monthly or even annually? We're doing about 30 barrels. Let me, I'll break this down to simplify it. We're doing right. 30 barrels of our red and our blue monthly. Each 30 barrel usually yields about 420 plus cases. So that's about 900 cases of beer that can go to distro. Uh, because we were in a pandemic, we weren't really doing logs because restaurants weren't open, but let's just stick with the cases. Yep. 30, so maybe 60 barrels uh, a month uh, brewing beer that is where we are right now which will yield those 800 plus cases to to get out into the stores so that's what we're we're we're, we're but again we're gearing up for the the 90 barrels again the more accounts we we get the more barrels that we you know that we have to produce Gotcha. To all my movers, if you love educational and inspirational content just like this, please like, comment, and subscribe to this channel. But most important, if you know anybody making power moves just like you, share it. Now back to the video. Let's stick with COVID for a second. Mm -hmm. For some people, COVID literally put them out of business. For others, COVID in some strange way, and I hate to yeah. say it this way, but it was a godsend. Their business was birthed during- Blessing. It was a blessing for them. In the brewing industry, how did it affect you? Uh, did you see more sales online? Is there a such thing as online sales when it comes to beer? Did, did you guys take a hit? Were you able to weather the storm? Obviously you did. Um, or did you see yeah. during those during the last year and a half? Sean, I will I will tell you, the pandemic was a blessing to our brewing business. How so? We, we were able to. People were home. They were sitting down. They had a chance to go on social media wherever you were on social media and read things that had happened the, the, the past two years that they people didn't know anything about. So we had customers, we had people, our, our social media engagement quadrupled in a month. So we were, so people were getting ready to read about, they were reading about the first African-American female owned brewer in the state of Connecticut. Where in the hell did that come from? Oh my gosh. Just read about you, but if people were not in quarantine, they might not have known about rhythm. So, right, it would have been, you know, they would have been buying the, and, and consuming the same old, same old. And then we were blessed with a lot of, again, you know, the Associated Press picked up the story um, early on. Martha Stewart has picked up the story, you know, Thrillist. We've gotten just a lot of press and attention because people were like, Black people, 
brew beer and they drink beer. They're like, Billy D. Williams was like the last person, literally, that rubbed a, a, a <laughs> You right about that. I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. When yeah. I black folks, I think of brown liquor. Forty. Like it's that. That's what we drink. Uh, yeah. I don't. The forty ounce craze. Excuse me. The forty ounce craze. It was oh, a forty. That, ounce. Yep, you're right. Yep, the forty ounce craze. You're absolutely right. It was the forty ounces and Billy G. Williams. That's the last connection. Brand ambassador. Put it this way, Sean. That's the last brand ambassador that we had, I believe, for a be for, for, for beer. And so, but now we were going, oh, okay. We got some, you know, we, it's not malt, malt liquor. We got, we got some, you know, high quality products that are owned by and made by a, a black a, a black woman. And so those are, that was the blessing of the pandemic. I was able, I, Clubhouse, being on, on social media, those platforms, and getting in front of people in the music industry and the entertainment industry that, that read about a black beer company. Let's make no mistakes about it. There is vodka, there is wine, there's tequila, there's bourbon, there's whiskey, there is gin. There, we have brand ambassadors for all of those beverages that I just named. The beer right now is wide open. And that's why I am on a mission. Okay. So, go, yes. go ahead. I'm sorry. Social media. So the pandemic, in one sense, when my dance studio shut down for a year and a half, God bless me. And I was able to focus 100% on the beer and I was ready for that social media explosion that we received and was able to sit on Clubhouse for four hours and really get the brand out there and get the name out there. So yes, it was a it was a, a extreme blessing for us. And I'm I'm, you know, it was just a blessing in the pandemic. Gotcha. And we got through it. We, because it was essential. Liquor was essential immediately. They didn't shut down the liquor store. So we knew we had to mo keep it moving. <laughs> you said it was essential. <laughs> it was essential. Okay. Question for you. This is random, you know, but we live in a different world. Are there any efforts on your part uh, to make your product eco-friendly? Yes. I, I, we do a process. We unfilter our loggers. Uh, and I it's filled with vitamin B6, B12, that's why Whole Foods and Trader Joe's loves bringing our product in. It's, it's about, again, sipping on the, the beverage, but the eco-friendly, we've got not only what's in the can, we want to be health conscious. And people think, oh, beer drinking, you know, it's just all bad. No, you can make a design beer that has nutritional value because we're not going back to the malt liquor. That's not, we are not doing that as a people, um, and I always tell people, drink responsibly and drink in moderation. So you can enjoy a, an alcoholic beverage and it doesn't have to be a, a malt liquor. So that's why I'm not, we're not pumping that into our communities. Um, and the eco-friendly, absolutely. We're looking at ways, canning systems, uh, going to different packaging uh, that is eco-friendly because it is about the, the, the system. It's about the world and I mean, we're, we're we have a part of our team now that focuses on that. So 
yeah, we're a, we're a brand with a conscience. Yeah, so. I think, you know, we as anyone who owns a company, you can't be just in your own. Uh, you're just laser focused through your eyes, seeing the world through your own personal vernacular. You have to understand the world in which you're living in, and you know, exactly in a world that is very green, uh, a, a world that is very conscious. Yes, nothing else. Um, conscious on the products that they buy. So <clears throat> I'm sure beer would fall into, you know, people would want to know that, hey, this is a product that is uh, at least conscious of the world that we live in. And they are taking steps to make sure that that it is equal in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms, you mentioned bottling. Can, can we, like, where, where are the costs that are associated with bot canning, bottling? You know, if, if, if Sean decided, I want to go out and start a brewing company, what, what costs am I, the outside of staff, obviously you have, right. a, uh, you know, what, what am I, off the top of my head, I'm, storage, I'm thinking packaging. I'm, yeah. What, what, what do the costs look like? So first of all, you would be bringing in pallets and pallets and pallets of empty silver cans, 12 ounce cans. That's, that's what we use. Mm -hmm. um, but there are 16 ounce cans available now, but I do traditional 12 ounce cans. So you're looking pallets of these. I will tell you right now, there is a shortage of 12 ounce cans um, in the country because of all the, the popular seltzer waters that are out yep. in there thin skinnies. So there is a, there is an aluminum 12 ounce cancer. But with that said, we're looking, you know, buying a pallet, you're, you know, you might be in five to eight cents, you know, a can. But again, the more you purchase the bulk and quantity, um, the, the, the less, you know, your cost is going to be, but you would be bringing in pallets of cans that could potentially go for five to eight cents. Um, now not expensive are, are, are these cans already labeled no we have that additional cost that is additional so we have an additional so you've got your cans so let me walk you through this so if anybody's out there and they're interested in the the packaging side of of, of brewing or beer the cans you get the uh some come come pre-labeled but i'm going to walk you through you just have a good old-fashioned silver aluminum can in your hand mm -hmm. can label machine goes through the the beer comes out of the tank it goes through the filtration system and through the bright tank and the can goes through and it puts a label on it and then we have a pack tech which goes on for the six packs and then it goes into the pallet and then it's uh taken off to distribution but so I, I will tell you, it's it's the cost. There are costs that incurs every step. There's a cost that incurs can, label, pack tech, right down to the the you know when you go into the store and you grab a, a twelve pack, yeah, down to the boxes. So there is there's cost all across uh, that that board. But it's not um, not. That that expensive. I don't want to. I don't want to scare any entrepreneurs. No, it's not about expensive or not. It, it really is yeah, not. Yeah, it's I'm just trying to, the to process. Educate, 
Yeah, I'm trying to educate our audience. What should they be expecting? Uh, in terms of storage, where are you housing these cases, these pallets at? So they go straight to distro. They go straight to, they go straight. As soon as I can, I you've sent out an email and the beer is picked up immediately or if not the next day that between 24 hours and it, it's taken to my distribution company and then it's distributed throughout my accounts. So and you're literally, you're literally not sitting on product. It's, it's, as soon as this thing comes off the assembly line, you're getting it right out to, to the stores. It has to because of demand. And I will tell you, we're gearing up for the summer right now. This is what they call our beer, the summer crusher. So our, th th this product cannot sit in, you know, the, the brewery, it's got to go straight to distro because people are <laughs> trying to find their rhythm and it's got to get out to those stores. So no, there's, you know, very once, you know, every once in a while it will be in storage. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that that's never over 48 hours, you know, we wait for distro to pick it up. The storage is not a major cost for you in particular because it is literally kind of just moving from from being yes. bottled and out to the stores. Distro out to the stores. How many doors are you in? We went from selling 100 cases of beer in one week in 2018, four accounts, to now 480 accounts here in Connecticut. God bless you. Thank you. And, and I and I say that to I give you those numbers the hundred cases and four stores to four hundred and eighty that is that is all about getting out there on your journey and and again opening the doors and letting people know that you're out there and that this is the this is the brand that everyone should be supporting so four hundred and eighty locations right now here in Connecticut. To all my movers, if you love educational and inspirational content just like this, please like, comment, and subscribe to this channel. But most important, if you know anybody making power moves just like you, share it. Now back to the video. Yeah, give me an idea. I heard you mention uh, Whole Foods. Where are you at? Are you, you know, what type of doors are you in? Is it the Costco, Sam Club of the world? Is it, is it the... The local, every time you pull into a gas station that, you know, it, it's those local stores associated, um, connected to the gas stations. Are we talking bars? Where, where, where can we find it? So rhythm, restaurants, bars, uh, Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's, I will tell you, has done uh, an incredible job with sharing our story. You walk into their stores and they put right up on a big poster, First African-American uh, female in the state of Connecticut making history. And by the way, she's a professional salsa dancer. There's posters all uh, over. <laughs> so, uh, but in it's stores like that with the Whole Foods and then, you know, the Costco's of the world are coming, but then the, the total wines that are all across the country were in the total wine. So those are some of the bigger, but then we've got the mom and pop shops. So we've got the bodegas, you know, that are out there that are, that, that love the fact that someone from their, their area is making it. They're like, literally they're, they're, you know, we're representing a state and we're representing a community. And that's why 
you know, from a mom and pop to our favorite cigar bar that we go to and indulge in, you know, a couple of cigars, listen to some music and drink some rhythm, you know, everyone has the, the rhythm, which is, it's, it's great. The support has been endless. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's talk uh, distribution. You guys yes. are, are now all over Connecticut. Yes. Why are you not in other states? You know, you, we can get it here in New York. Is it, is it just that difficult to get distribution for other states? What does the process look like for anybody who uh, has a local beer company or local anything? Mm -hmm. Why, it's, you know, how, how do you get out of your region? Exactly. Sean, if I showed you the number of emails, DMs, inboxes that I have received in the last two and a half years about requests to Rhythm in New York, Atlanta, LA, you, it I would have to have a file cabinet. The demand is there. How you push a product, and like you said, wine, beer, vodka, you, you, to get it out there, you need the lines of and channels of distribution to open. Yes, when the higher regency in Virginia calls and says, listen, our DNI, our, our diversity and inclusion corporate headquarters wants rhythm in Arlington, Virginia, you want to be able to produce. Correct. You want to be able to be able to follow up and say, you know what? I can have my distribution company in Virginia ship you that tomorrow so that I'm not losing out on an, op on an opportunity. We're, we're not there yet. And, the, and again, the, the, the disconnect is we need the opportunities like everyone else in distro to get the product out into the masses. Let, let, let's be specific. When you yes. see the, the opportunities like everyone else, what does that mean specifically? And again, I'm not in your industry. So right. you say the opportunities, is it monetary? Is it you getting before uh, a natural a national distribution outlet to, to present yes. the case and to say, look, here is our case study. This is where we started. This is what we yes. did. You know, this is uh, our retention. People are buying yes. it. Like, what, what do you mean specifically? It is, we need two things. This is, this is double, this is, a twofold the finances yes it is it's it's about having the money mm -hmm. to extend distribution but it's about having those larger companies become aware that we're even out there but how do you do it you can do that through brand ambassadorship we need the Ciroc's and the ditties and we need we need what they've done in you know the jay-z's and the rock nation we we need Specific. This is my. This is the ask. We need those channels and those li those lines of distribution. Whether it comes from you know the big brand people that are pushing this out throughout the country, we need brand ambassadorship, and we need a, a distribution company who can facilitate that. So it, absolutely, we could be out in every total line, in every Whole Food, in every Trader Joe in in America. If we have that opportunity, if the big, you know, the machine, they call them at the machine, if the machine was potentially, you know, be, behind us. 
you know, for movement, for movement. And I asked you this question because you mentioned the Hyatt Regency down in Virginia. Obviously, there's a demand. You saying, look, I would love to be able to get it to you, but I don't have a local distributor in that area. Yes. So, again, for you, because then you mentioned the Diddy's and, and the Jay-Z's of the world, and I under, I understand marketing better than yeah, more. Right. where I excel. Uh, right. So for, for you, it's part brand ambassadorship. It's part of uh, having that co-sign, having somebody who is, yes. you know, who, who would say you need to be drinking this. And then the other part is just that machine that can literally get your product off the assembly line into these local places outside of Connecticut. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head. That's it. it, it, it it's a cosign. It's the let's, you know, and again, we're, I'm going to keep moving until, you know, I, I'm on again on that mission. But if you've got that brand ambassadorship, we've seen what brands have done when they've had the power of brand, brand ambassadorship behind it. I will tell you, what's the biggest pre-Grammy party that goes on? What, br what brunch? Nation. Is it the Rock Nation brunch? Yes. And Sean, I have a vision and a dream that I will be there. No, I put this in the universe so I know I will be there to be in the middle of that brunch saluting with my beer brand. And so it is, and, and again, that I'm on a mission uh, to do that, but it is about the, getting the product out there. I know the power of the brand. The country knows from what we see in the file cabinets of inquiries that we have, we just need that behind us to get us where, where we're going. And then we open up the floodgates of employment and economic, and we, and we, we get into the $114 billion industry. Sean, that's how we do it. That's exactly, exactly how we do it. Understood. Before I let you go, uh, cigarettes here in New York are now $15 dollars a pack Oof. if i was to smoke that would be enough incentive for me to quit you know immediately i don't even know how people are chain smokers in in cigarettes cost that much but most of it That's is going to the government is 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 highly taxed uh what does the taxes look like on big uh we it's taxable through the state, um, but it's under the six uh, so percent. Really? You have, you have a, but you have a you have a can deposit that is is filtered actually that is added into your cost. So when you have a uh, you know the five cent can deposit that's on the, you know shows you that you can go redeem this. Um, mm -hmm. That's all a part of uh, the the state law structure for beer. But again, Sean, remember. Post-pandemic, there's been a lot of laws um, in the state of Connecticut because I'm very well, I'm very involved with the Connecticut Craft Brewers Guild, and we have weekly meetings and we talk about all of these changes. So uh, taxes, again, you, you put the five cent deposit 
into your your cost, uh, but it's not uh, it's not something that is taxable where it fluctuates, where it goes over. Um, you know, it's regulated, so it where it that's a good area. No, no, that that's um because then everybody would quit drinking. <laughs> you know, because cans of beer are still relatively cheap, so I just wondered. Uh, did the government have their hand because it almost feels, you know, the government is doing everything that they can do to get people to quit smoking because they figure if they tax it so heavily, so high, you know, people, people, you know, they just don't have the money to buy a pack of cigarettes, even though people continue to figure out right. how to do so. So I was wondering, was it the same in your industry? Uh, for you, And, I, and I'm thinking about your past. Mm -hmm. You know, you come from the world of dance. You come from the world of uh, contracting um, and construction. If I'm getting into this business, mm -hmm. are, are there is there a basic skill set that you can now identify being in this building business for the last three four years that you could say, you know what, Sean. A person who possesses this skill set will excel, or is it just about being hungry, driven, and willing to put in the work? I will tell you, and anybody out there that is listening, um, as an entrepreneur, don't ever cap your creativity. And that's why we are entrepreneurs, because the sky is not just the limit. We, we are, we, if you're out there and you're thinking about going into like, what do you need? It's like, what do I have to wake up every day and, and, and to, to make this happen? You've got to have the faith. That's number one. That, that is always in my life. It is first and foremost, but you have to know that anything that potentially can come before you is something that is going to advance you even further. I would say the easy road, if you, if this, if you get up and on your entrepreneurial journey and it's an easy road, that's not the, that, that's a road you, you should not be on. Mm. Never be on an easy road. Don't take the easy road. You've got to get up, know that there are going to be challenges, but what you have to do is you have to execute and implement. Execute, implement, challenges are going to come. Stay on your grind. Don't, I'm going to tell, don't give up on a journey because when you, when you near the finish line and usually the finish line is never, it's just, that's a, that's a, that's a mindset. Yep, there is no finish line. We know. There is no finish line. There is no, when you start breaking down barriers and knocking down doors and you look back and there's dust and dirt in the wind because you are just moving on. Um, Keep, keep that in, in here and just let that be the key to your entrepreneur to, for your continued success on your journey. You really do need, you need faith. You need some grit, some grind, and just know when you jump in that pool that there's going to be water in it. I love to it. To keep afloat. So. I love it. You know, Elise, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you know, thank you. Extremely informative. And I've learned a lot. These, these are the conversations Sean loves to have because 
I'm I'm so inquisitive. Like I, I'm oh yeah curious, you know, and I've learned a lot about your business. Uh where can my audience find you? Social media, you can find me Rhythm Brewing Company, Rhythm Brewing Co. It's IG, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, also, I have a Lady Logger page. And so you can find me on Lady Logger page. I do a lot more of my personal uh, stuff. Uh, I host a Women in Beverage page on Clubhouse. So we're going to be launching that next week. And Sean, we'd love to have you on as a guest, you know, at some point. But just, you know, website, Rhythm Brewing Co., Find us, follow us. You follow us, follow this journey. Follow our journey. Again, we are, we're, we're really, really, really on a mission. But thank you for this platform because uh, these are the things that your audience and whoever is watching and, and taking all of this in, uh, it's stories like these that continue to need, that we need to share. So that someone, it could hit, that that light, like the light bulb went off in my brain in Cape Cod in the middle of a beer festival. There's something things on your platforms that I I see and I watch that uh, keep me going as an entrepreneur. When I might feel like you know I've this is getting a little bit too much. So thank you for continue to do what you're doing, but allowing people like myself to really dive deep and share our stories about what we're doing on on this journey. Um, it's, it's much appreciated. And you got to come brew with me. Brew brew day, I think it's in about three and a half weeks. So I'm sending you a personal invitation. You're not that far. So come down, hang out. And uh, I know you don't drink beer, so I might have to make you a non-alcoholic beer uh, in the future. <laughs> well, but we can discuss that when you visit. If you give me the invite, you have my word right here that I will, that's number one. And you are very welcome just in terms of what you said about the platform that I'm trying to provide to, to our community. Yes. I'm an entrepreneur. No, I, I'm an entrepreneur and I know this is a lonely road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Road that is not celebrated early. It is not celebrating into the world starts celebrating you. And while you're on that road, you need encouragement. You need yeah. to know when nothing is happening, when, when there's nothing right. apparently happening, keep going. You just, keep just going. Plugging away. You can do it. Yes. And that is that is so true. I will I can literally, you know, be carrying a case of beer and not having maybe one of the best days and I'll get a call and say, we, somebody will call and say, I just read the, your story and I just picked up a six pack and I'm going to sell for you right now. And this is so exciting because I'm going to tell my friends and, and my friends and we, and I get those calls and Sean, then I go, you know what, this is all worth it because I have to remember, this is not just, I'm not on this journey for me. I wake up every day knowing I'm working hard and hustling for some for somebody else that's right so you can remember that you're not for somebody else and that's a, and that's a blessing and the beauty in all of this if you can remember that well i think that that is uh, a great way to close it out you know when when 
we are doing, and I, and I include me in this conversation as a fellow entrepreneur, when we are doing what we're doing, it's, it's not just for us. It, mm -mm. it is for someone else. Somebody's watching. Somebody needs to know that right. if you can do it. Yes. And I always tell people this. I don't ever, ever, ever look at myself as remotely special. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I, I think what separates me, uh, I'm willing to work. I am yeah. willing to work in, in, I am just highly driven. And in, in when I believe, when God puts something on my heart, I, I trust, I trust it and I, and I go after it. So yeah. Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. So, so much. I know that your story is going to help others. I can't wait to share this with our audience and you are a true power move maker. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. So good to spend the day with you. Likewise. <laughs>